listening to Splash with Shalene Bryan. Get ready to be splashed with love and laughter to rehydrate your soul. Well, welcome to another episode of Splash. I'm Shalene Bryan here with my buddy, Barbara Cameron. Hello, everyone. We're ready to splash you with a little love, laughter, encouragement to rehydrate your soul. Today, buddy. I'm so excited. No, I'm actually pumped about this guest. The one and only Jared Emerson joining us in the Splash Zone today. He is incredible, incredible artist. But when you know what his real goal and dream was back in the day, you're going to go, what? How did he go from this to that? So let's welcome to the Splash Zone, Jared. What's up, Jared? Yay. (laughs) <laughs> hey, ladies, how y'all doing today? We awesome. are awesome. You know, Jared, you have a good radio voice. How y'all doing today? You could do <laughs> uh, like voiceover I, work. <laughs> well, I was I was trying to lower it for that initial hello. Um, hello, but <laughs> we liked it. First of all, it's it's a pleasure to be with you, you girls, and uh, or I should say, you women. That's right. And mm. um, I'm I'm looking forward to just just diving in and. And talking to you all and to your audience and just letting you know a little bit about some crazy artists. Well, oh I love gosh. it. You know, Jared, for those of you listening, is a longtime friend of Barbara and mine. And we met him oh in the most unpredictable yep. place. That's right. <laughs> Places I don't even like to go. <laughs> we met him on the K-Love K- K- cruise ship. Remember this, Jared? I do. I do. In the middle of the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> We met him in the middle of the ocean and he was doing this painting. Amazing painting. All of a sudden we see this stuff all over the deck of the boat. It's they're, they're throwing down all these things and this big canvas and people are hanging off the sides of the balconies and coming around the pool and everyone's, and I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. I was just getting soft serve ice cream again. (laughs) This is why I don't go on cruise ships. It's a floating buffet for fat people. Just, I'm just saying. Just oh know God. that that's what you're doing. So all of a sudden, this hip got with some kicks on. Yeah, okay, Barbara's yeah, already okay. casting I'm, you yeah, for I a know. movie. My but heart's pumping. It's here. like this this young, hip, good-looking guy comes out, and he's got these great kicks on. You always have great yeah, shoes. And yeah, there's this that's, that's huge usually a problem. That's usually a problem, the kicks. My my wife says that it's getting a little out of control. Yeah, well, I'm waiting for the shoes to sponsor you. I'm waiting for you to I get know, a good shoe I've sponsor. I've seen some of the shoes. I'm like, come well, on now. Yeah, let's have Jordan. Lo- yeah. I'd love for Jordan to, to get on that train. Well, hopefully we'll he's listening right now and we can make that happen in the Splash Zone. That'd yeah, be that'd amazing. Be, that'd be right. wonderful. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little older, but the only way I can actually jump on that canvas when I'm painting live is uh, is those shoes, you know? Well, I want to back up before we get to this because this painting, <laughs> we're standing there watching you in in minutes, in minutes, make a masterpiece Creating. with your fingers. I know. Dip in your hands and bang, 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 bang. And you're oh. trying to figure it out, thinking that the canvas is right side up, right? Right, the whole time. The whole time. He's painting, he's doing this whole thing, and you're watching and you're trying to, what is it? What is it? Wow. Is it a doll? Is it a lion? Is it a shark? What? 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 And then we're completely wrong. And at the end of this, what? How many minutes do you do this? By the way, um, it depends on the piece, but um, I've done any any between um, probably three minutes to 
usually eight minutes. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Um, and how there's, there's how big is the canvas? How how big? Like the, the largest usually, canvas? It's usually about a four by five. My largest I've done is about a six by eight live. So I don't do that anymore because you know people have limited space for eight foot canvas. Right, yeah. right. So in their, in their dining four, room. Right. <laughs> I figured a four by five. If you have eight foot ceilings, that can fit anywhere. The thing that's so, really crazy is I was sharing this with Shalene. I'm like, does he actually trace what he's, you know, kind of outline what he's going to do? So he, he yeah, knows paint by because number. how you do it with your yeah, paint by number. <laughs> I know it's not that, but no. to give you some well, you kind know, of guideline. I'm really, well, I'm really not good with numbers. Most artists <laughs> are. Um, but, you know, sometimes it just depends on how complicated it is. You know, I might, I might put some marks or. Or something to give me uh, perspective and proportion, mm. um, but, but you're not on tracing the whole thing out. No, because the no. canvas was blank. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, it's just I mean, incredible. It's, it's, I, it's just unbelievable. You know, that's what where you do. studying comes in and and figuring it out. I mean, you have right. different artists that have different ways of doing things. Right. Um, I've been doing it for about twelve years now. And then he does it all to music. I mean, he's bebopping yeah. and dancing while he's doing exactly. This. What was so crazy about the night that we met you, Barbara and I, were watching you do this painting live in front of hundreds and hundreds of people on the cruise ship, and we're trying to figure out the painting, and then you flip it. You did this whole thing upside down, and you turn the thing around, and I'm like, oh, we're meeting him, and then we just rush you <laughs> after it's over. You know, and I'm like, what is your name? Who are you? Like, this was right. amazing. Right. And then we get to meet your sweet wife. And at the time, she was bear, chicka, bear, bear. She was a little pregnant. Remember this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that was just five years ago, I believe. Yes, yes. I know. Um, so when I say we've so, known you for a while, we really have. Yeah. My, uh, my little man, uh, his name's Jordan. He's actually four years old now. Mm. and he is a ball of life when you talk about what i do for a living like creating pieces of art Mm. uh, for people to enjoy um it's been a blessing because he has truly been the greatest piece of art that i've been um, a part of and he's really really taught me a lot just as a as a man as a as a father as a husband and as far as love too and unconditional love um so true. But I'm just happy that I happen to have a part in it. So my wife did all the work, though. So uh, <laughs> Smart man. I want to back <laughs> up for a minute, though. Can we back up? And I just sure. would love for you to tell our listeners a bit about yourself. Just what were your of, passions? Yeah, what was some your, of your goal dreams. in life, your dreams? What were they? Because it wasn't art. It, it wasn't. Uh, so, again, I, I ended up growing up in... Uh, Michigan, a little town called Perry, okay. and um, wonder, wonderful parents, and um, my whole life just pretty much, when you talk about priorities, and I, I think back then, it was basketball, which was my first love, mm. and then it was probably girls at the time, <laughs> and it was probably my friend's and other things, and then a family, and then God fit in there somewhere. Mm. And so when you think of priorities and and how I kind of had them laid out, they were pretty all mixed up and messed up. But my whole life revolved around basketball. My father was a a teacher and a preacher and uh, 
assistant principal. I didn't know that. But he loved basketball, and he actually played ball over in Germany. He was in, in service, serviced over there, and I believe it was called the Bavarian Cup at the time. Wow. I think his team had won. And uh, so I just I grew up playing like just church ball, street ball. We'd go to Flint, uh, Michigan, a little bit, Shasburg, different areas around there, and play play basketball. So my my whole focus was one day being the NBA, mm. and. You know, that was kind of the drive of, hey, I want to be famous. I want to be successful. Um, and as a basketball player, I wanted to talk trash, and I wanted to be able to back it up, you know. So I think the idea of being an athlete was for all the wrong reasons, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until I was in college. I went to a, a Bible school called Word of Life, and I think I believe it was 1998. And um, I had a scholarship to or talk to some people at Liberty University to possibly play ball there after I went to school whoop, at Word of Life. The Flames. Um, little shout-out. Yep, That's where yep. Brick goes, my little Bricky. But I will say this. It was back before they were actually a D1 school, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, they're D1 um, now, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 got a great program there. Um, but then also uh, Appalachian Bible College in West Virginia and some different ones. But the end of my first year, and part of, playing basketball at this school which is in upstate new york it was your ministry and so my ministry was going into you know the bronx and brooklyn we played in cages just against people out there playing ball uh we went to prisons all over Mm. and played basketball and some of the prisons whipped up on us you know and so (laughs) when you talk about humbling when you talk about going into a prison and saying hey i'm gonna we're gonna take care of these guys in basketball and then you know tell them about jesus well, when they whoop up on you, it's a little harder to tell them about Jesus, you know? They're, they're like, like let I don't us need tell Jesus. you about I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need Jesus. If he can't help you guys play basketball, <laughs> what's he going to help me with? Right. So when did you know that that dream was going to shift a little bit? When did the basketball thing start dimming in your life? Was there something so was, that happened? It was at the end of that it was the end of that year, and I ended up uh, tearing my ACL. Ah. I actually didn't know I tore it. I thought I just messed my knee up. And so that was kind of was the start of my dream just kind of falling away and then me trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I think even then, it was, okay, God, where, where are you going to take me? Where are you going to head me? Um, what path do you have before me? I just needed it all planned out, and it wasn't that simple. Right. And... So I did odd and in jobs over over the years, and I moved different places. Um, this was very confused. And so through this whole transition, um, when I was there at school, my parents ended up moving to China in 99, mm-hmm. and they've been there for 20 years 20 in Beijing. Years. And when they left, I was just trying to figure out, what am I going to do? Like, I can't go play basketball. I can't do the things I want to do. And I believe that was where God was transitioning me and saying, hey, you you have gifts and abilities that maybe you haven't really put an effort at yet. So I ended up uh, just out and in jobs and through my my mom and some family friends uh, that lived down in West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, They wanted to help me just so I moved down there, started my art. So I was living on the beach and painting and drawing. And um, there was one lady that was a broker of some firm that was friends with these people that I lived with, um, the Lamborns. And 
this lady, she wrote me a blank check and she said, paint me something. Cause if you can draw and do these things, like you, you, I'm pretty sure you can paint. Jared, how long, how old were you when you knew you had that gift of, of drawing and painting? I mean, but you, you had it, but. You know, each and every day you feel like you don't feel like you're will, to the top of your potential. So you're, you're still searching for that gift, I guess. I know, but, but it's so weird to me that you were this athlete and you were focused on the NBA. You were focused on, you know, training and, and, and being on the court. And then you end up in Florida and I would never end up in Florida and pick up a paintbrush. Like I suck at that. When did you know that you could paint? Or were you always, well, did you do it on the side? Like, it, what? I think a transition was when this lady wrote me a blank check and said, paint something. I, 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 I went and did it. I painted the Jupiter Lighthouse. I brought it back to her. I mean, it's not every day that there's a lady in West Palm Beach writes you a blank check and says, fill it out. You know? No, but, but, but how did she know that you liked art? When did that? Because I was doing it then. I was I moved there and I was I was drawing. I was doing black and white like kids' oh, okay. feet, portraits of babies. Um, you know, I knew I could draw. I okay. I, was, I was drawing since I was a kid. It's okay. just I didn't want to be inside drawing and and by myself. I wanted to be outside playing with my friends and playing basketball. Mm. So that transition was when I moved there was taking really more time to focus on my craft. And these people were willing to help me just wow. by living and, and, and being able to live my dream out. Okay, so Jared, the million-dollar question, how much did you fill in on that blank check? <laughs> so, what did you give so yourself? I look back now and think I probably should have done a lot more than I did. But what did you do? That first check, so you got to understand, I was doing portraits out and in stuff here and there. <laughs> people would see me. I would you know draw their pets or their their family member or whatever and i was charging like 150 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever i could get right um so i filled this check out for 750 dollars and i give it back to the lady i mean i was doing some a little more then but i filled it out and i was just waiting for a reaction and she looked at it and she said okay that's it and i said yeah i mean it's fair to me it's it's good enough for me but it's probably not what you're used to and um I think that was a starting point for me where it was like, okay, I could probably make a living if I could do this painting and make that, then wow. let's see where it goes. And of course, you know, I mean, now I finger paint in minutes and God's blessed me to be able to make, yeah, ten, you know, yeah, some thousands absurd, and thousands some absurd, of dollars, right, exactly. amount sometime, yeah. And, um, you know, I would do what I can do now for free if I could, but I, I have to live and I have a family. Mm-hmm. And um, and I like my sneakers once in a while, <laughs> but <laughs> and a workman's worth his you know, wages. The Bible right, says that. So. Right, right. I try to tell my wife it's an investment because uh, the shoe game is getting ridiculous this day and age. But um, you know, going going back to that time though, I know God had really had to stretch me, mm-hmm. and you know, I was I could say for a period of time I was you could say I was homeless. But God always provided, and mm. I put me in homes with people that pretty much were mansions. And wow. I went through some tough times in my life of just trying to figure out my purpose and what I was supposed to do with my life. And again, it all revolved around Jared. It didn't revolve around Jesus. Mm. And once I came to that point of 
focusing my life on on him, things didn't start to change. So that lady I lived with down there, she ended up having to kind of push me out of the house to really, Jared, take the steps. And again, when I was an athlete, I was lazy. I didn't want to work out. I didn't want to, I didn't have the discipline. And I've been blessed today to work with a lot of athletes um, and see the backside of it. it takes hard work. Like when you watch LeBron James on TV on Sundays playing basketball, that doesn't just happen. He works out hard. He mm-hmm. works hard mentally. He works hard physically. And he works hard studying his craft um, and studying the game. And so for me, it was that transition of, hey, I wasn't that. And that's why I couldn't become an athlete because it takes a lot more than just talent. It takes ability and it takes drive. And so with different athletes and one athlete that's a good buddy of mine, his name's George Hincapie. He, uh, 17 tour de France's, wow. uh, and when you see on a bike, what these guys do on a bicycle until you actually get on a bicycle and do it, you don't really understand. Mm-hmm. It is one of the hardest sports and seeing him and the work that he put into his craft, just, I think him and just other athletes I've met is wanted me to work hard and, and discipline myself in my craft as an artist um, and what I do in my career. And I always say this, uh, in the world, in the words of the great lyricist, Macklemore, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you've heard of him, but I don't know if I'd recommend to kids and stuff his music, but at the same token, in one of his lyrics, he says, the greats were great because they paint a lot. And when you think about that as an artist, you know, he didn't say the greats were great because they're talented and they're amazing artists. He said because they paint a lot. And if you look at the success of most artists, it's because they work hard yeah. and they paint and they produce and they produce. Um, some of the greatest artists that ever lived. I mean, you look at Picasso and and um, Monet and different ones. They did bodies and bodies of work and then also did different styles. And so I've, I've learned and, and studied through different artists um, throughout periods of time in history and realize that, you know, I don't want to just work on one craft. I work on many. And that's from speed painting with my fingers to um, realism, to hyper-realism, to abstracts, to different mediums. Um, and it also keeps me from getting bored with yeah. one thing. Mm. What is your favorite medium of that? What, what is your favorite? The, the speed you know, painting? Is it, what is your, right. They're also different and unique. You know, I, I love them all. Like, Recently, I've been working on some different acrylics. I love charcoals. Depends. It just depends on the style or what I'm trying to do. I love oils as well because you can move them around and see the flow of colors and stays wet for a little while, so you, you're able to do that. Um, acrylics dry very quickly, so sometimes, well, mainly now, I don't have a lot of time, so it's it's uh, you know things can dry a lot quicker, so I've been using those a lot. Um, sometimes I mix them up. Um, it's beautiful. Your stuff is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Tell me Thank how you. you met your bride. <laughs> so interesting story because uh, <laughs> she might tell you she might tell you a little different version than oh, we're going to have her but, on next week. Um, so go ahead. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, you know, so I ended up moving from Florida to uh, Greenville, South Carolina, through a guy that. Uh, 
wanted to help me out and fix my knee because eventually one day on the beach, just playing catch with a football with a friend, I stepped forward. My knee finally gave way. So a period between when I heard it in college to on the beach was about five years. So everything in my knee gave way and I didn't have insurance. I didn't have really any money. I was, you know, considered homeless, but still being provided for. And um, I packed up my car. My buddy Caleb was getting married. His parents were willing to take me in. I moved to Greenville. Um, I was still doing art. Um, and from that transition, just so many things have happened between that um, time. And then when I ended up just kind of settling here in Greenville, um, I had to get a job, a real, you know, an actual job. Couldn't to make stay at Caleb's family forever. Right. 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 So I ended up working at a lens crafters for Come on. a period, a period of one year, which I look back now and think, you know, being lost in this world and trying to figure out your purpose. When I think of becoming an up, up, up what is it? An op, optometrician or I don't even know what it's called. Optometrist. Um, just someone that fits glasses. Like I, I, I went in there and I'm working with people and just trying to help them see better. And I think through that transition, God was telling me, Jared, you, you're the one that I'm trying to focus on to see better mm. and to see the path I've laid before you. And this isn't to get into wow. my wife, but it was to get into where I was going and how he was transforming me. And, um, even through my own mistakes and my own sins and my own failures, um, he always took care of me. And one day it was like coming up on a year of being there. I was about to go on a break and I saw these two women come in the shop and I was like, Let's go hey, I, yeah, I said, so before I leave, I need to help these two ladies out real quick. <laughs> And, um, especially this one right here, it, yeah. happened, it happened to be, um, my wife now, Barbara and her friend, Chris, Christina. And, uh, I went and helped them and they were, they were laughing having a good time. And, um, then they were leaving. And as we were headed to the food court, I mean, this might sound cheesy, but <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you guys this in your audience. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm walking down and I mean, literally this, it's in a mall, right? So there's nobody there, right. really. It's the middle of a weekday. And I walk past them and I say, you ladies look like you need some McDonald's. And they just kind of chuckled, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I kept going and I go to the food court. I get some food. I sit down and I see them kind of go different ways. And then I see Barbara. Um, she comes to the middle of the whole food court and stands there with her tray like like a like a damsel in distress um <laughs> looking for a place to sit where there's nobody around it's just me sitting there so i was like okay i think that i need to invite her to come sit with me and i can talk to these girls some more so i invited her over and she said oh i'm just looking for my friend so her story is i was really looking for my friend i wasn't trying to get him to invite us to come sit down and um so we sat down, we talked, we talked about what we were doing in life at, the, at that time. And, and I didn't know at the time though, my wife, um, she had just gone through a divorce and she had two, two children. And so when I met her, we started talking and, and we, we were walking back. Um, she told me her age, she was, she was a good, I think what, six years, seven years ahead of me. 
And so I'm like, I think I'm 25 at the time and she's 32 and I'm going, what am I doing? Like, this is an older woman. <laughs> and we're, we're, we walk back and her friend's like, hey, you should just walk him back to Lenscrafters. And so then when she said that, I was like, okay, something's happening here, right? You know, I'm, something's I'm not, happening. I'm a young guy, but like, I'm, I'm pretty smart too. And, uh, so we walked back and so I asked her, I asked her if um, she wanted to, I think my actual words were, um, do you like poetry? And she was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, who doesn't like poetry? And I said, well, there's this place where they do poetry reading. I'd love to take you sometime. And she said, oh, well, that'd be nice. She said, well, wh- where is it? Where do you go do that? And I said, well, I'm not going to tell you because then you'll go with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> smart boy. <laughs> And yeah, it might sound cheesy, but I, she was like, oh, "Okay." So we exchanged numbers, and and so it ended up she me. she yeah she she was actually leaving the next day to go to do an inter um, a uh, audition for America's um, Most Wanted. You know, they do their reenactments when they're trying oh, to catch oh, criminals. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. What right, in the right. world? Oh, so you mean to reenact me this, and a I'm scene? Going, what? For, yeah. I'm going, what? Is this girl wanted? Like, what's going on? But she said, no, She a friend couldn't make it, so she was going to the audition. She ended up getting the part, hmm. and um, I think she gets shot or something in this episode <laughs> or whatnot. But um, she comes back She comes back later that week because I asked her to go out, to, I think, to the poetry a couple reading. nights after. Right. Yeah, and she was like, well, this weekend, you know, i got to meet my friends, but maybe we can go on a date and so we ended up going on a date it turned out it turned out great and um she introduced me to all her friends so i think her friends was a cop out um just in case it didn't work out and she thought i was something i wasn't and um mm. we dated for about five years her children were six to nine five and now years they're... you did it for five years yeah and here's the reason why now <laughs> women don't get all uptight about this okay <laughs> Put a ring um, on it. <laughs> she she had two beautiful children, and my it's one thing that I I learned a lot from my wife is she was very protective of her children. And what I mean by that is, if she was going to date around or date different people, she did not want to see different people coming in and out of her children's life. And so when she met me, she wouldn't let me meet her kids for about six months, and then she didn't let them know that we were actually dating for about a year. Mm. which taught me a lot about my wife, that she yes. was um, a good mother, you know? Right. And in, in life, sometimes you see it's unfortunate. You get children that just don't see stability in their parents because they see different people come in and out. And um, it was funny. It was actually the, the night she told me, she said, our first date, she told me she had children. She said, I got to tell you something that might freak you out. So I was just, <laughs> I looked straight ahead and I just was like, you know, I think I could take it. Anything, unless she tells me she's a man. If she tells me she's a man, <laughs> I, I was thinking when you said that. I was like, might no. be the, I'm a dude. It, yeah, it might be the only thing that I can maybe like, not deal um, with. So, not gonna be able to work with that. Yeah, right. So I said, you know what? Go ahead. And she said, um, "Well, I have two beautiful children, and and I just went through a divorce." And um, so I said, "Okay." You know, and I'm thinking, you know, I... What I were you really thinking? What were you really, really you know, thinking? You know, part of me was like, is she telling me this because she's trying to get rid of me? Or is she oh. telling me this because she wants to see how I'm going to react to her? Mm. And, you know, 
I honestly looked for looked ahead and just in in my own heart and mind, I just said, you know what? Let me get to know you first, and then we'll see what what's next. And um, you know, my my mother had a hard time uh, when I talked to her about it. She had a hard time because my wife was divorced, and you know, I think if you go through scripture, there's there's different reasons in scripture based on based on divorce, which we know God hates divorce, um, and it happens all around us. But I also know her situation, and I and I when I talked to my mom, she said, "I just you know, can't you find someone else that doesn't have children or doesn't have this?" And and you know, it's not right that you you're marrying someone that's that's divorced. And and I said, "Well, mom, you you have to trust your son enough to know the reasons why and know that." Like basically, what I said is, "Do you think when I was a child and I." had dreams and ambitions of getting married that I dreamt of a woman that's divorced and got two children. Like, do you think Mm -hmm. that was my dream? Right. No, absolutely not. But this woman that I met, and once you meet her mom, you will understand why I fell in love with her. Mm -hmm. And you will understand that God didn't just bring me a, a future wife. She brought me two beautiful children to love as well. And, Mm -hmm. and I told her, I said, God just brought me more to love. And I think at the time I didn't understand it, but I, I look back now and, and, and think my wife and my, my wonderful children, which is their names are Jessica and Matthew, and they're 23 and 20 years old now. Mm-hmm. And um, my daughter just graduated from Clemson. Now she's getting her master's. My son's at Anderson University. Wow. He's going to be a junior um, in business, and I think he switched to accounting. But seeing these kids grow and having a part in being able to raise them um, has been huge for me. And um, it's been a blessing because until I met my wife, believe it or not, Shalene and Barbara, I couldn't take care of myself mm. my entire life. And when I met my wife, it was like there was a something burning in me that just changed. And I knew, hey, if I'm going to marry this woman, I got to be able to provide and take care of her and her children. And I was scared to death because I was an artist just here and there. Right. And from that point, it was like we got married um, in Alwindal, South Carolina, which is in Charleston area. Okay. On the intercoastal. And my wife had a job. She had insurance and all this stuff. She was doing well. She was actually probably making a little more than I was at the time. And three weeks after our wedding, she got let go from her job. Ah. <sighs> And I look at that and I go, what in the world? Like, how is this going to work? First time in my life, I think, besides my parents carrying it, I was going to have health insurance. And then she gets let go. Mm-hmm. But from that point, I mean, I was, when we got married, I was doing pretty pretty good. I was making a decent living being an artist and doing what I do. And um, when I got into speed painting, which was probably, it's been about 12 years now. Um, God just truly blessed me and, and, and took me to a whole nother, whole nother world of possibilities and opportunities that I never, never dreamt of. Was that, so the I ta- can Jared, say, was that the time that the pastor invited you to come up and do your painting on stage at the church? Yes. 
So, so yeah. When was your first live event? Because you've done some amazing events. I mean, from the Masters to NFL players to NBA, you're on the court, and I mean, you've done. But what was that first? Was it that yeah. one, Barbara? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. How that transition? You started doing these live events, which are sure. epic. If anybody of you listening, you need to look up Jared. Jared, you got to tell our listeners when we finish here how to get in touch with you because it's ridiculous sure. or bring them out to your event if you want to do a fundraiser we've done fundraiser for mm-hmm. skip one right. raised a boatload of money he did a live painting and they just started auctioning off your yep. daughter was yes. bidding against mm-hmm. tracy right. yeah it was going back and forth it was it was awesome but tell us about the first live event and you're like whoa i mean what that must have clicked something because it was epic uh, he did, and I, I think that was a starting point. You know, people always say, what was the moment you knew you were supposed to be an artist? What was the moment that you just knew you were meant for this, or the moment you knew God gave you a gift? Well, I don't really think there's a specific moment. I think it it comes with time and experience and learning and growing. But this moment, which was the first time I ever did a speed painting, I've did a live painting before at a church, but it was just like through the whole service. Um, but my pastor encouraged me to paint on stage. And I was like, like, are you, that's ludicrous. Like, why would I do that? Like people are actually right. going to be watching me and I got to do it fast. Like that's not my thing. And art was kind of my world where I created and I didn't want anyone around. I didn't want any, anyone to invade my space. Oh. And I relate that to my and I relate that to my life in, in general. You know, a lot of times we're, we're set back. And I believe God calls us out to love people, to love people and show them that, you know, he created us to create and to show them our creations and abilities that he's given us. Because the ability to paint and draw is not for our own satisfaction, but it's for people to, mm-hmm. to actually see and then they can feed off it an emotion or a feeling through the art because art's very subjective, right? People, people get different things from what they see. Right. Um, and I ultimately have a specific purpose now in what I do, but he asked me to paint on stage and I ended up, um, tearing my M- MCL on my same knee again, the week before I told him I would do it. So I'm on crutches and I'm supposed to do this big painting. It's a six foot by eight foot painting. They put, um, these sheets on plywood and when i get up there i'm hobbling i realize that they had put uh, plastic down on the stage and when you're moving around on plastic and and paint pouring down you're not gonna be yeah yeah be very mobile so i noticed that and then the music starts playing i get up there my church is uh, about six thousand members and we had to do three services, so there's, I don't know, about 2,500 or so. So it's a big crowd, and I come out, the music starts, I start grabbing some paint, and I'm also using oil paint, which I don't use anymore live, because it took about a month to get it out of my hair, because I have <laughs> long hair. So I, <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Um and so I go on stage, I start painting, and I realize the fabric on the plywood is, it's not actually canvas, it's fabric. And when you put paint on fabric, what happens? It usually seeps through, Bleeds through and you yeah. can't move it around. So I'm looking at all these negative, I'm just thinking of all these negative things, like I'm going to come out here, I'm going to slip and fall, I'm going to throw some paint, people are going to be like, what was the point of that guy coming out here? You know, and people are there to worship, you know, they don't need some distraction. 
And so my second thought, which should have been my first thought, is, God, I need your help. Like, I just, I need you in this moment. Mm. I got seven to what nine minutes or whatever it was at the time to do this painting. And I, I just, I'm going through the motions the whole time. I'm just, I'm down on myself. I'm trying to figure out what is going on and that what I've studied and what I wanted to do. I hope it's turning out. And when I get to the end, it is a, it's a piece I called The Christ. And it was a kind of an abstract piece, but it's of Jesus kind of looking down with the crown of thorns. And at the end, I dip my hand in red and I throw the red on the canvas. And in that moment, when I threw the red on the canvas, I apparently, I guess on the big screens, they could see the red hit the canvas or hit the fabric. And you, you ever been in a crowd where you just hear the crowd just kind yes. of sigh and they yes. go, oh. like I, I, I could hear it and I could feel it. Mm. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit prompting me and saying, Jared, no, no matter what you're doing in this moment, as far as just going through the motions, I am here and I'm moving in people and you have no idea what's, what's going on. Mm. And so I felt, I felt something. I wasn't quite sure. And when I went, I, after that moment, the music stops. I, I touched the side of the canvas as I limp off. I go backstage. I go down into the green room and I see the pastor up there and he's praying. And in the distance behind him, I can see the painting. And when you're up on a painting that's six, six feet by eight feet, up on it, just working on it. It looks different from a distance. But when I saw it behind him, I just, I, it was like I saw the painting for the first time and I saw Jesus and I saw the crown of thorns and I saw the blood. Mm. And it was that moment, I believe, he prompted me and said, Jerry, look what just happened. I showed up even when you didn't. Mm. I'm here and I'm working things out with these people for my honor and glory, not for yours. Amen. And it was that moment where he told me, look at, look at how I can allow you to be a part of something when you're literally, literally broken physically and look at the opportunities and possibilities when you're a hundred percent. Wow. And so, and, and, and that moment for me was a transition of, God, you can do way above and beyond anything that I can hope and dream of. And it started from there. I had a broken transmission in my car. And from that moment, it was like, God just blessed me in different ways. And I took care of my car. I was able to take care of myself. And now I'm able to take care of my family and my 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 children. And, you know, just last November, I always like to tell the story because it's, it's, it's a moment for me. Last November, um, I got a call from Mike Fisher, um, which he played hockey, and his his wife happens to be a singer. Her name's Carrie Underwood. <laughs> and maybe some of our listeners know come. her. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he called me up and he said, "Jared, we're we're doing an event for our 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 foundation called um, Dante's Children in Haiti," um, and we'd love for you to come paint. And he said, I was thinking, you know, maybe Carrie could sing while you paint. And, and oh, I was wow. like, yes, it's like, yeah, like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, like, great really? idea. Like, it's a brilliant idea. That's awesome. 
because <laughs> we had we had we had I'd met them about nine years before seven to nine years before at an event in Franklin, and they had actually bought my Face of God painting that I do live. Oh, I love that. And one. I believe I was performing it with Tenth Avenue North, and uh, I ran into them in a few different places here and there, and so Mike and I had exchanged information, and so I said, "Man, I would love to." So I actually. My my family, my wife, my son, we went out to to Franklin and um, got to hang out there for a few days. But I got to paint while Carrie sang "Love Wins" and something in the water. Mm. And she introduced me as her her friend, and um, I walked up on stage, and it was like a moment. And and she was talking about you know I'm looking forward to this moment of just two arts colliding and seeing seeing how God works it out, you know? Mm. So she's singing and I'm painting. Wow. And for me, I I think back to the first time, right, of being scared to death to go on that stage to now being able to just go up and know that God's got me no matter what, no matter if I have myself. But that being broken can literally bring you to opportunities that are way far above any dreams you had. Mm. And being able to, to be on stage with her, which a beautiful voice. I haven't told her before. Do you want to switch? She said, I don't know if that'd be good for either of us <laughs> <laughs> on that front. Stay in your lane, and I Jerry. Said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. De- definitely not. But, um, and then the other one was a transition back to, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be a basketball player and I, you know, I grew up in Michigan and watching the Pistons play and win championships and then playing at the, uh, seeing them play at the palace of Auburn Hills. God changed that. I actually, I forget how many years ago it was at the palace. I got to paint, wow. do a halftime show, show with B.O.B., which he's a uh, rap artist that uh, did stuff with Bruno Mars. But um, to to look back and think, man, my dream was to play ball on that court one day. And I was actually to not actually play on that court, but paint. Mm. For God changed my dreams, my hopes, my ambitions into something different, something new, but still met any dreams that I had for myself. Mm. And I believe when you hit the dreams that God's enabled you to meet, then you set goals and you set new, new dreams and new ambitions. And, um, I feel like each year I'm doing some new things and wonderful things and get to meet a lot of new people. And it's been a, a huge blessing. So from that one time till now, it's changed. Something really powerful that you just said that I think really splashed not only Barbara and I, but our listeners. And I, I hope that the listeners just lean in right now. But you said you used to like to paint in private. And you wanted to, that was your own time. That was a time for you to just, you didn't want people around. And I believe there are people listening right now that have a gift or a talent that God's given them and they've been concealing it. Mm. And I want to encourage them to bring it out in the light and let God splash it onto everyone around them. Mm. Even the gospel. I think sometimes we go, you know, my face, my own, that's kind of my own private thing. And God's like, no, actually it's not. I want you to go into all the earth. And from the moment I've met you, Jared, you've had this gift of saying, Art reaches people. It reaches people. Mm. It, it cross boundaries. It cross um, divides. You don't have um, to speak the same language. You don't, you don't have to speak the same language. You don't have to be the same political party. You don't have right. to be the same color. You don't have to be the same race. You don't have to have the same money, economic, poor or rich. It reaches everyone. It discriminates against mm. nobody. That's right. And that's who Jesus is. 
And I think it's so powerful that God has taken your basketball and he goes, oh no, son, I love that you like to do that. But I have something so much bigger for you that's going to actually lead many to the cross. And I watched Mm. people, like you said about the pastor that day, when the red hit that kind of cloth, it probably bled into the cloth, you know, and even made it more powerful. But that in that moment, people saw Jesus. They didn't see Jared. They saw Jesus. Right. And that's mm. the, the what you feel in that moment. Mm. And this is what the Splash Zone's all about. And so I want to encourage the people that are listening right now that are like, well, I don't have Jared's gifts. I don't have his talents. No, but you have gifts and talents that you're concealing right now. And right now we need you to bring them out into the light yes. because we need them. We need you in our community to be splashing that kind of love and, and encouragement onto people so that we can run the race that God has set before us. Yes, and and also for so parents. True. And it's also for parents, Jared. It's like they're children, they're teenagers, they're confused, they're, they don't know what direction to go to. They have their dreams and their desires. Um, so I and it's never you. too late. That's, That's right. right. That's, That's right. right. You're a perfect example of that. Yeah. How can our listeners find you, Jared? What's the best place? Because I want people to be able to see your artwork. We're going to put up that um, one painting with the Jesus with the thorns up on our uh, at the Splash podcast on mm-hmm. Instagram. But where can they mm-hmm. reach you or have you come to their church or their event or their MBA event or their golf event or their fundraiser? I mean, you did an amazing TED Talk at Oaks Christian. That lion is still hanging in the hall at the on campus it's epic but where can our listeners find you um they can go to jaredemerson.com which Perfect. is my website um they can also go to if they do instagram or facebook my instagram is at the jared collection okay at the jared collection mm-hmm. and you're the on youtube jared collection yeah. um youtube I, I don't actually have a youtube channel but you can probably find some videos of me on youtube mm-hmm. um you probably can just Google Jared Emerson mm-hmm. art or face of God and you'll see different things from maybe winter jam performances to others. Uh, and then also my Facebook is just Jared Emerson art, which is everyone. And we'll put that up too on our, um, the splash podcast, um, page, but thank you, Jared, so much for joining you, Barbara Jared. and I in the splash zone. You're amazing. Loved it. Loved, ah. loved, loved it. It was uh, so thank you good. For having me. We're it done was already. So good. I, listen, I could talk to you guys all day. <laughs> You're amazing. No, we want to have you back. I think I know. next time we'll do a live painting in the studio and raffle it off for a listener. That'd be awesome. But thank you for joining us. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We just, I, I'm just so blown away. And we love talking with you. We love hearing from you. So please drop us a note on whatever platform you're listening from. And don't forget to splash a little paint on someone today. Let's get crazy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Listen, real quickly, let me leave you with this. God splashed this world into creation. That's right. And he created us all to create. And that's to inspire the young minds to be creative and have an amazing imagination. He mm. created our brains and our minds to be and, and be bigger than we ever thought. So thank you for having me. God bless oh, you all. Thank, thank you, Jared. you, Jared. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. Come splash with us at shaleenbryan.com. 